0: Today's show was brought to you by CBDMD. January is crucial in setting the tone for the new year and in 2021 that has never been more true. Luckily, our friends over at CBDMD are here to give you support you need to conquer your New Year's resolutions and make this year your best one yet. And if those resolutions happen to involve fitness, they've got a brand new topical product that'll help you keep moving all year long. CBD Relief with Lidocaine fuses CBDMD's hybrids broad-spectrum formula with fast-acting lidocaine to help provide temporary relief from minor aches and pains. And with the new bag-on-valve spray technology... Relieve can be applied comfortably at any angle, even upside down. And to make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all of our listeners 20% off of your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code NBA for 20% off of your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Oh, like because when I shot, it, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. So. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 864 of Lockdown Raptors for Wednesday, January the 13th. I'm your host Sean Woodley of raptorshq.com. You can find me on Twitter at woodleysean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors. Where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got loads of stuff for you whether it's breakdowns of the college football championship, whether it's NHL previews with the NHL season getting started tonight. Uh, there's a, a team, a show covering every team that there that you could possibly want to have a show about. So go and listen, subscribe, support those shows. In addition to this one, all right. On today's show, we're doing a bit of a ten-game status update on the Toronto Raptors. Obviously, things have not gone terribly well. They're two and eight. It's kind of depressing. They're having a lot of uh, heartbreaking losses piling up. But we're going to try to take a bigger picture look at it uh, through 10 games and dive into sort of how our expectations have changed and maybe plot a roadmap for how they can get out of this hell over the course of the next 10 games. And we're also going to start off uh, with the elephant in the room, which is uh, the COVID protocols, which is kind of uh, the big story in the NBA right now. And joining me to talk about all of this stuff is a first-time guest on the podcast, but a wonderful Twitter follow. You know him from Twitter as Marks Gasol, at Socialist Raptor. He's a writer for Jacobin, the Narwhal, Progress Alberta. There's a podcast called The Off-Court Podcast. It is, of course, Abdul Malik. How's it going, man?
1: I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be uh, on the podcast. You know, it's, it's super cool, actually, I will say, to have listened to this for, like, years and years, and then be invited on like it's just like a very nice bit of like career trajectory (laughs) like it's like oh yeah shit i guess i am part of i i forget about cursing but yeah like um You know, it's like, that's crazy. Like, I guess technically I am a sports writer in some sort of like esoteric way now, right? (laughs) Hey,
0: yeah, that's, I mean, in the same way, uh, to hear someone who's been listening to the podcast for years and views coming on the podcast as some sort of, uh, I don't want to say milestone, that feels far too strong. But we'll say it for now. Uh, That's cool, too, I guess. And I'm sorry you've had to listen to my dumb voice for so many years but of course it's uh, lovely to have you man um we'll we'll get into the the 10 game status report in just a sec but we should probably talk about the story of the day in the nba which is the revamped COVID protocols the um sort of reining in of what players are allowed to do both at home and on the road basically they're trying to establish a bubble it seems for teams and players without having a bubble doesn't seem like it's gonna work to me, but you know, I, I guess this this has been carefully plotted out. I have a lot of different feelings on this, and I don't feel one way about it necessarily. I think there are things to be grossed out by and upset with for pretty much everybody involved and also reasons oh, yeah. why it's entirely justified in a lot of ways why they're continuing to push through, as gross as it is. I don't know. Let's uh let's just start with the revamped protocols. Obviously we've seen a ton of teams missing players, games postponed. In fairness, outside of the Mavericks, it seems as though most of the postponements have been Due to contact tracing and not actual positive tests, so at least they're doing their due diligence there. That's positive, I think. But at the same time, you're seeing the product suffer. You're seeing Tyrese Maxi have to play uh, 45 minutes in a game, and we're, we're seeing you know these teams roll out eight men rosters. The the Heat are put po- are posting tweets as you shared on your timeline today, saying we have enough uh, to like promote it's their game. It's so
1: <laughs> pathetic. Like the the we have enough should just be an indication. Like if you've got from like, uh, you know, an NBA finals to we have enough players to play tonight. (laughs) Um, Like something has gone terribly wrong, you Mm. know, between between point A and point B
0: yeah I, the we have enough might be the new most upsetting refrain uh now replacing daddy's always happy in terms of just like chance for nba discourse so congrats to the miami heat on that one you beat the boston celtics once again um abdul let's uh sort of talk about the the protocols here that obviously they, they've changed things quite a bit they've um, like I said, they're limiting what players and teams can do. It's basically you're at home or you're at practice or you're at a game, uh, whether you're on the road or you're at home. You uh, you can't like hug players on the court, I guess, trying to limit all of the extracurricular contact before the you know the 48 minutes of dudes sweating and breathing on each other which seems kind of counterproductive but uh i guess it is what it is i don't know um there's also rules against uh quote-unquote uh, uh non-team guests in the hotel which I yeah, don't think you know, it, it takes <laughs> a lot of squinting to know what that means um i'm just kind of it's not really a direct question i'm a bad podcast host right now but like what's your overall feeling on where things sit with the league are you grossed out by the fact that it's still going on are you uh, like resigned to the fact that it's going to happen and just making the best of it and do you think these protocols will matter at all i mean neither of us are epidemiologists but uh you know what are your overall feelings on the way things have transpired over the last couple days here
1: Uh, i'm not happy with it (laughs) i think that i think that there's a lot to sort of get into um sort of first and foremost is like they were finding teams for like load managing players you know what i mean like when when players needed to sit out or when players were you know couldn't play for whatever reason or they wanted to give them a rest day like you know and now we're watching like basically like end of bench lineups you know become the starting line stuff like that And, Mm -hmm. and the reason they the reason you know they were um you know, they were pissed off about, like, load management was because, like, people want to see the Stars play, right? So it's like, why are we watching these, like, ridiculous lineups and stuff like that? Like, you create a worse product by putting it out onto the court rather than just delaying the game, right? No one, fewer people are tuning in for... I don't know, whoever's playing on the heat tonight for the we have enough heat.
0: Um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Dude, I can't wait and, for the t shirts, yeah. man.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: if they if they do make the playoffs again, I really do hope that's their um you know, that's their playoff mantra, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like and then the other stuff is when you look at this, a lot of it just seems arbitrary like it feels like hygiene and again you know you mentioned neither of us are epidemiologists but it feels like hygiene theater more than actual like concentrated effort to reduce uh infection vectors right Mm -hmm. for example like the the timeout the 12 feet away cool down zone (laughs) that feels like you know when you're in school and your teacher makes you sit away from the rest of the class to like chill out for a bit that's exactly what it feels like like just moving to another 12 feet away from everyone else. So you can take your mask off for like a couple of minutes or whatever. Like that's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, And yeah, like also looking at at all this stuff, it's like, it doesn't also change the fact these people are traveling. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That they're Mm -hmm. coming into contact with people every day. Like that there's, you know, you can't put like a bubble environment in hotels, which are designed to, you know, efficiently cycle people in and out. Uh, The most frustrating part for me is the NBPA. Uh, going along with this, right, right. and and in particular, uh, like I'm not gonna lie, I've defended Kyrie a lot in the past, but like when your vice president is out partying maskless, right, yeah. of the NBPA, and it's like okay, the the union has a really messed up, uh, like the union executive must be in shambles right now, <laughs> right, and, mm-hmm. and are able to be pushed to accept these things because you know one of your sort of key executive members is like, quickly becoming the face of, like, you know, players not abiding by these rules, right? When, like, actually, it's the owners who should be the ones under the line to fire more than anyone, but mm-hmm. um, you get what I'm saying, right, though, right?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's... Um, again, I don't feel... Like, I felt a lot stronger, for some reason, before the bubble, uh, about, like, it how I didn't think it should happen for a lot of reasons, right? And And I still think... In a perfect world, they put the season on a pause and with the vaccine seemingly so close, just like wait it out. I know they're very hell-bent on, for some reason, the Olympics, even though I don't think the Olympics are going to happen. And they also seem very committed to getting back on the NBA calendar, which I totally understand and sympathize with that. Because that is huge for like their TV calendar and not being up with competition against other sports leagues. I, I totally understand why they would want that. But it is also like so icky <laughs> like, it's 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 completely cynical like they yeah.
1: the nba makes enough money to you know and especially ownership and you know when you go down when you go down you know it's it's overall revenue like if they don't have enough money to like buffer buffer out two years of catastrophe or these sorts of delays i think that speaks much more to the financial foundation of the league than, you know, perhaps anyone realized. Mm -hmm. Um, But like the people who are in the line of fire are players, right? Like if you're being asked to travel from city to city, uh, just be alone in your hotel room. uh, You're already being alienated from your teammates due to these, these like hygiene procedures when really you just shouldn't be playing at all. It should be like home with your family. Right. Like it's also extraordinarily dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. right and that also affects well not just them as people which is obviously the most important part but it also does affect like your performance it affects your mental health it affects your capacity to like build any sort of like meaningful team dynamic or find any sort of like value in what you're doing right mm-hmm. like it sucks enough that they're playing without fans very understandably um but now you're asking them to to stay away from each other until they're like playing together <laughs> uh, and even then not really right
0: yeah I think, and then those are like extremely well taken points, and, and I totally agree with them. But at the same time, it's also like, I bet if you polled players, A, I don't think, I think this is something that has not really been reckoned with all that much. But like, I, I just don't think players care as much about the virus as like the general population. And frankly, why would they? They're 20 years old, they have a, a lot of money and access to healthcare, they're probably, all things told, going to be fine. And they are a lot closer to being in the owner class than they are into being the normie plebe class like we are, right? And so I kind of understand why they would just kind of want to push through as well. And I bet, yeah, I bet if you pulled the entire pool of the league, I'd bet you'd get most people back saying, yeah, we want to keep playing regardless. You know, there's checks on the line. There's futures in the league on the line. I, I get the arguments for doing it. And also when you look around it, everything else is like full steam ahead. You, I think, probably if you're the league, are looking at that and it's like, well, hockey's playing and like football's going on, even though it's horrible. And the college football season just wrapped up, and they're celebrating how well that went, even though, uh, (laughs) not really, yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I guess pat yourself on the back all you want, you freaks. But I just, I don't really know. Like I don't feel strong enough because of all these other competing factors to say like they should one hundred percent unequivocally shut the season down. Are you feeling similarly, or are you more on the side of like just what the hell are we doing here? Stop this until uh, things clear up a little bit more.
1: I think like that's where my biggest disappointment with the PA sort of comes into play because yeah. like like yeah, you're one hundred percent right, Sean. Like we look at it objectively, it's like these these players are Olympian gods, right? They have access to the best healthcare. They're obviously like, you know, in the prime of their, you know, athletic life. Um, and they're like so far down the lowest on the list of people who are at high risk for COVID, right? But like when you look at someone like, you know, Keontae Johnson, um, you know, who collapsed during a game uh, due to like COVID-19 related reasons, like really what you're looking at is it, it just takes one right? Like, is is one player having uh, some sort of debilitating relationship to this disease and, you know, potentially having their career cut short or worse, right? Like, it, it, it could run the gamut of all the things COVID could do to a human body, short term and long term. Um, is that worth the entirety of the season, right? Like, that's where me on like a moral level, I'm like, no, uh, to say nothing of the fact that players because they're traveling so much because they're, Um, you know sort of engaging with so many people from you know uh, coaching staff to athletic staff to each other all the way down to their families right or um, also like major vectors of infection right even if you get COVID and you have a mild case like how many people by virtue of your job before you test positive could you potentially put at risk right Mm -hmm. those are those are sort of the two things that sort of psych me out a lot because it's like what what would it actually take for the season to stop and if the answer is it would take someone dying then like the league has a really concerning set of priorities Mm -hmm. um and the nbpa has done a terrible job sort of uh you know led by chris paul Kyrie Irving. you know um the entire nba executive uh has done a a quite a bad job but you know articulating that to players (laughs) right
0: yeah yeah, it's, um, I mean, we'll be talking about this, I'm sure, for the next few months, uh, barring some miraculous turnaround from these protocols. But I think we can leave it there for now. There's no easy way to transition from talk about how basketball is bad and immoral to talking about the basketball that's going on. <laughs> so we're just going to do it and uh, not really talk about it. So we're, we're going to dive into the first 10 games of the Raptors season and kind of uh, reassess our expectations and take a look at the next 10 games coming up in just 1 second but first want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag the number one place you should be going to put money down on the sports you love to watch sign up today for free at betonline.ag use the promo code locked on you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus meaning if you put in 100 bucks you're going to get 150 bucks to play with that is a pretty great deal tons of stuff to vote on bet on right now vote on that's not what we're talking about uh, Uh, Bet bet on, including (laughs) NFL games, uh, the the NHL season starting up, NBA games every single night, or most nights, uh, barring postponements. Lots of stuff for you to get in on the action with, and lots of fun, weird sports, too. You want to bet on Greek basketball? You can at betonlon.com betonline.ag i haven't done it yet but uh, probably will at some point here because uh why not what else is there to do in the middle of quarantine don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code LockedOn on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit that's betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts all right, Abdul, uh, let's dive on in here to our sort of 10-game impressions of your 2-8 and eight Toronto Raptors. It's not going so hot. I spoke on Tuesday's podcast about the horrendous crunch time numbers, the bench that continues to have a revolving door of guys who maybe aren't very good. Um, I guess let's start here. What were your expectations going into the season, and how do you think – the first 10 games have kind of warped Those expectations have they at all Are you still holding steadfast with what you thought this team was going to be about Going into this season just a couple Weeks ago
1: uh, Like realistically I expected them to be 6 And 5 at this point right yeah you know I mean like I, I really did expect them to come out of the Gate stronger um, But all that said you know what I think they're quickly getting Back on track um, and Like this you know Panicking about uh, the Raptors poor start and stuff like that, or even, even if it does transpire to be a poor season, which I really don't think it will um, is feels to me like sort of foolish, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Raptors are a consistently winning franchise where even if you don't have a great season, you're watching players um, take like leaps and bounds. You're watching Pascal get back, right? Like, it's, it's the ebb and flow of like, you know, the failure and success and, and the individual stories on the team that make the team, especially the Raptors, right? Where you've got guys like Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet, you know, Mr. Um, ben on yourself or whatever, right? Like uh, that make it exciting to watch. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, we're not the Knicks, right? We're not just a consistently losing franchise year after year after year. That's become the punchline of, of like a league joke, right? The Raptors always come back, maybe not this season, but the season after, at least in the last, you know, couple of years, not the, uh, <laughs> not, you know what I mean? Not the, 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 the before, yeah. before times. Yeah. Yeah. The before times. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's like, yeah, like, you know, they'll, they'll come swinging back and it's going to be awesome. And it's like, you know, if, if you're a fan, you shouldn't panic about this season because this season sucks anyway. Right. For a whole yeah. bunch of reasons, not related, not even related to the Raptors performance, but Pascal's back, baby. I mean, like that right there, like watching him watching him fucking ball out and then you're crying and then crying about it is really nice. (laughs) Watching Chris Boucher, you know, go off um the way he has been the last couple of games is incredible. And it's like, okay, you know what? They've got something to build on here. They just need to pack it better, right? They just need to make sure that they're actually like you know, building on, on the good stuff. And also they need to trade for someone. I don't know. Uh, They need to trade for a better big, yeah,
0: someone um, tall who can catch a ball is basically all I'm looking for right the now. The bar is very low right now mm-hmm. in terms of who they need
1: to trade for. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think, look, I had high expectations for the regular season edition of this team. I picked them to finish second in the Eastern Conference. That seems maybe a little bit ill-advised right now. But also, they're like not very far away from that. If they go on a bit of a winning streak, that becomes very much back in play. And I think... Like you made a really good point and I've made this argument for a long time. Like watching a basketball team any or just watching the NBA more than any other sport. It's not a league or or you know each each of these teams are not sort of tidy one-year stories that you can kind of put into a bow, right? I mean, the Raptors' road to the title was more than just the Kawhi season. It was seven years before that, and it all kind of informed what ended up being an amazing end result. And you don't often get that, like, fairy tale ending, but it's still, like, the thrill of watching the development and the, and the arc over multiple years that I think is really what keeps me coming back to the NBA, like, and will forever. It's, it's just the best part of it, I think. And so... If you went into this season and you thought, wow, they got OG locked up, that's great, the contract's amazing, Fred Van Vliet's locked up, Pascal Siakam's locked up, and you looked at that th- that, 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 that trio and said, alright, the team is set up for competitiveness and success into the future, like I don't think that opinion should change at all any, anymore. Like, I mean, Fred's better, I think than what I expected he was going to be. He's finishing, oh, by he's scoring two defense. pointers, which is a really remarkable development for him. <laughs> and, you know, OG's taken some time. He's had his ups and downs. I think OG's going to be fine. And Pascal looks like Pascal plus enhanced playmaking, which is a pretty damn fun package. And, the competitiveness window still exists. Yeah, maybe this snake-bitten fake season where they're playing in Tampa Bay and they currently have like a, a horrible horrible crunch time net rating where they're as good as the Wizards basically. You know, maybe that continues, maybe they're snake-bitten all season long and they end up with a lottery pick and they kind of bolster the the team going forward. I mean, that's one positive outcome, but also I don't think that is terribly likely. I think as I talked about yesterday, as I've talked about for weeks now, you know, at some point they'll have to start picking up wins for sure. And like the process over results thing will kind of ring hollow if they're, you know, 5 and 25, but they play really well every night and just fall short at the end. And I'm sitting there going, ah, but the process was good. I'm telling you, it's going to turn around. <laughs> Maybe at that point, yeah, it's got it a little bit uh, overwrought. But for now, at 2 and 8 with 62 games left and a point differential that's basically even on the season. I think you can kind of look at the next 10 games and say, all right, if they can just sort of gain back a little bit of ground here in a very jumbled Eastern Conference, there's no reason they can't have some modicum of the success I think most people expected they would have before the season. You know, whether it's a two seed, whether it's a six seed, whether it's getting the eight and winning a play in, whatever it might be. You know, when you factor in the strangeness of the seeding and how unpredictable that's going to be, with all the teams that are going to be missing guys, losing games as a result, I think that's a more than justifiably okay outcome for this season. That you're you're willing to sort of you know ride through the the tough times to get to the end, because there will be some sort of payoff. by, by the time you get to the playoffs, you would think. And even if they lose in the first round, like if they're fun, like they have been the last four games, I think that's a pretty okay to like. Kill your time over the next six months while you wait to get vaccinated. So <laughs> that's kind of the big picture view of the team. I, I want to dive into some more specifics on players and sort of how they've performed relative to expectations in just one second. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to try. I just got a new shipment of Built Bars in and they uh, have like remade the formula and they're better than ever. I am not kidding. They're awesome and they have 18 amazing flavors for you to try out. The banana bread flavor, incredible. Orange, toffee almond, also wonderful. The new apple almond cheesecake, or sorry, apple almond crisp, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, all of them are really, really good. Highly recommend. They're all covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a tasty treat. Wean yourself off of the garbage you're eating over the holidays with a pretty relatively healthy snack that also kind of looks like the garbage you're eating over the holidays, except it's very much not. It's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diet. As well. And right now, when you go to builtbar.com, use the promo code lockdown. You get 20% off of your next order. That's the promo code lockdown for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, Abdul, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, just a heads up on Thursday, we uh, I haven't quite planned out what that podcast is going to be. We might have Dwayne Notice, though. So keep an eye out. Dwayne Notice is, is the best, and I hope we can get him on. Still working on the schedule. Ideally, we'll have him by the end of the week, but if not, very, very soon. So keep an eye out there. All right. So some players have performed well relative to preseason expectations. Some players have not done that so far this year. Um, (laughs) My question to you, Abdul, is who is the player for you who you're most disappointed by in, you know, just how the first 10 games have gone relative to what you expected they would be? in the in in the early preseason start of the season there are lots of options here (laughs) clearly um so feel free to name whoever you want but for you who has been the biggest disappointment and do you kind of have any belief that they might be able to turn things around
1: yeah like you know i think the obvious answer is norm but Mm -hmm. i feel like everyone in the back of their head knew this about norm right he is extraordinarily inconsistent right mm-hmm. like that's sort of why he's he's comes off the bench and like yeah he's just he can have an amazing night or he can have a terrible night it very rarely feels like norm has ever has you know an okay or a consistent you know string of games uh but aaron baines um i think for me is is for sure like he was never going to replace uh gasol he was never going to replace ibaka but like I thought he would give us like at least 5% more than what he's given us right now. Right. <laughs> like probably closer to 50, but like, yeah, it's, it's the Baines question is really, really frustrating. and really, really troubling. Um, Cause you know, yeah. You know, before the, the season stopped last year, you had that amazing game where you just went off. Right. You're like, what happened like between then and now uh, is he gonna get his mojo back in a couple of months like pascal did like mm. i don't i have no idea but it is really um is really like just sucks right because bane seems like a likable guy he does a lot of things right but when he does things wrong like oh man he really does things wrong <laughs> right yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, Baines, I think, is the correct answer here. Um, I And it's not just, like, the most disappointing relative to expectations, but also, like, the most damaging start to the season, yes. because not having any reliable center play outside of Chris Boucher, who, as we saw in the Blazers game, as great as he was and as fun as he is, he's, like, the most fun regular season player I can imagine having on a team. But, like, Carmelo Anthony at his ripe old age of like 74 was moving Boucher off the spot for rebounds. And, you know, there's a limitation when you have him as your nominal center. And look, I I think Baines will get another shot. You know, Blake and Eric were talking about this on the Reasonables podcast today about how they think that'll come relatively soon, probably, to see him get another shot. And whether it's in a bench role, whether it's back in the starters role, you know, he can't just be a DNPCD for the rest of the season. And literally any minute of competent center play the Raptors can get right now feels like a win and, like, will tangibly help them, considering they're, like, a minute or two away of just, like, consistent play from winning a lot of these games that, you know, those very small, minuscule gains could actually be pretty enormous. And so, yeah, I mean, Baines certainly is the one who stands out, and if he can... I don't know, work in practice for an entire day on how to catch passes from Kyle Lowry or something. <laughs> like, it's it's that simple, really. I wrote about Baines to start the season and how, you know, his end of the deal is not that difficult. The Raptors offer a pretty sound environment in which a big man can thrive. They've got excellent perimeter defense, they've got a point guard who's constantly looking to get big dudes paid and it should be a pretty easy gig, but he hasn't done any of it, and he's been an active negative when he's been out there. I I do have to say,
1: I think that one of the things that's harming the Raptors is the fact that they're not at the regular practice facility, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't know what sort of... And I I honestly don't think this has been talked about enough because, like, I don't know what sort of setup they've got down in Tampa. I'm sure Blake knows significantly better than I do, right? But, like, the OVO facility is state of the art, you know, it's able to track so many things. It's able to give you all the information, you know, a coach would need to, to work with players on like developing fundamentals, developing, you know, their game, making sure that they're, you know, doing the right motions and going through the right repetitions and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And every other team has access to their state of the art practice facilities. Right. And it's like, that's got to make some sort of measurable impact on, you know, even just making, like, quick habit adjustments when you've got uh, a lineup that's, you know, a little more shaky than it was, you know, the team that won a championship together, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, to add to that, I would imagine that uh, the, the, the lack of a panic trade so far might be due to the lack of the fun little video boards they have in the OVO center as well for the front <laughs> office to use. And they're just still using size stupid Blackberry down in Florida, trying to get reception uh, by the pool or something. Um, Go Canada. Yeah, I mean, he's
1: supporting <laughs> Canadian industry. I mean, give him that. <laughs>
0: Oh, shout out to our friend Jim Ball Silly. Uh, all right. right, let's. <laughs> we don't need to shout that guy out. Um, just let's take a quick look. The next 10 games here, Abdul, the Raptors, you know, you could look at the schedule and say it's difficult, but also we have no idea who or if <laughs> like these teams are going <laughs> to play. You know, the Hornets are the next two games. They've been playing pretty well. LaMelo Ball looks really fun. I don't know if I am horribly worried about losing both games to the Hornets if they can split those. I feel like that's fine, and they can probably win both the way they've been playing so far. Then you get Mavericks, Heat, Heat, both at home. Then they go on the road for two against the Pacers, and then they're back home for the Bucks and the Kings. And then the round at that 10, they get the Magic, who are uh, injured and kind of a shell of themselves, and they're 6-2 start the, to the season.
1: Uh, the... Season is are they 6 and 2 right now?
0: They were 6 and 2. They've lost They're like three in a row now, now cuz yeah. they got hurt, yeah.
1: Yeah, like like this is one of those things, right? The Eastern Conference is such a mess that the Magic and the Hornets, you know, and the Hornets might be better than they have been historically, but like the Hornets are 6 in the East right now, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. there's no reason to panic at all like, you know, the Hawks are a 5 and 5 and like eighth in the conference. It's like you know this isn't going to Stay this way, right? Like yeah, when the Raptors the next, win yeah. like
0: these two games against the Hornets, and they're I think a half game behind them in the standings. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's, it's pretty quick. So to early around. to
1: panic. Um, I think the Hornets games will be fun. Yeah, you know I mean, like mm-hmm. like they were great preseason games. Obviously, that like doesn't apply. Period. But the one I'm really looking forward to are the two Pacers games. Yeah, like I'm very interested to see how how Nate and Nick coach up against each other. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like those, those I think will be the most telling of like where the rafters are, because like you're going up against, you know, someone who was instrumental to, you know, your team's, uh, to your team's success in the last two years. And like, I feel like that'll really be the place where they start to get together where they don't, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you also have to apply, like, I think definitely personal vendettas into all of this as well. <laughs> right. Like, of course, of course, Nick doesn't want to be one-upped by Nate. Of course, Nate doesn't want to be one-upped by Nick. And, like, you know, obviously, maybe may the best man win. Um, they are going to play the we-have-enough-heat as
0: well, <laughs> hypothetically,
1: um, which really should just be two free wins at this point. Right? Yeah, I
0: mean, they kind of stink right now. I talked about how the Raptors' crunch time offense, uh, crunch time total numbers are trash. Uh, the Wizards are one below them in the standings, and then dead last are the Heat. They are in some kind of way. So, yeah, I think there's room for wins here. I think there's room to kind of establish a bit more of a steady rotation. You know, if the first 10 games were getting a look at everybody, maybe the next 10 games are about figuring out who those guys are going to be for the last 52. Um, And I also think, you know, if you're going to try to get Baines back and going... Maybe doing it in the next couple of games before they play the Pacers back-to-back where you're going to need bigs because that team is just all muscle and elbows and meanness. Maybe There's you want to get Baines back and going. Yeah, because like Sabonis is going to eat Chris Boucher for lunch and it's going to be just <laughs> just depressing to watch. Um, so that's kind of where my read is. Yeah, I, like I said on yesterday's show, I, I would be not surprised if they went 8-2 and two in the next 10. I wouldn't be surprised if they went 3-7. and seven. It's just it's so impossible to predict. We don't know what COVID-related terrors will befall any of these teams over the next couple of weeks either, but I'm feeling... this. Honestly, this conversation's been quite therapeutic. I've been talking myself into this team for the last couple of weeks now uh, into being a lot better than they are, but I, I think... Having a level-headed person like you on the show has been uh, a real treat to do, uh, soothe the nerves a little bit.
1: I do appreciate that. I do think the Raptors are still a playoff team. You yeah, know I mean, I don't think either of us disagree on that. I I do think they'll, at the very least, make the play-in if they don't, you know, get uh, you know, five to eight seed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, down the line. But like the real concern, I think uh, everyone should be taking away from this is the Raptors need to trade for a cons- like for just to get a consistent starting lineup, right? Like, it's okay to mix and match this aggressively in the regular season, but there's no way they're able to make any sort of realistic playoff push with this, like, you know, very conditional matchups and stuff like that. And that's where I'm really, I think, the most concerned is, like, who are they going to trade for, you know, before at deadline that gives them that sort of, like, just – This is our lineup. This is where we're set. This is, you know, you you can immediately think to like, oh, these are, this is our starting line, right? And that's the part that stresses me out more than the record right now is just how frenetic and like how rapidly this lineup's been like just changing up and down, up and down, right?
0: Yeah, they have like 22 games until they can trade the guys they signed to contracts in December and, you know, open up more salary-matching possibilities. Obviously, they're going to be throwing in picks on whatever deals they make if they're looking for upgrades just because, like, the stuff they have to offer isn't terribly sexy right now unless they're throwing a Malachi Flynn into a deal or something like that. But, um, you know, the next 22 games, it's going to be kind of survival mode. The schedule gets a little easier after this upcoming stretch. And again, it's hard to say if the schedule's hard or easy because we don't know what the state of these teams is going to be. But I think if they can weather... These twenty two games and get somewhere around five hundred ish, I think there's room to make a substantial trade. I said from the start of the season, the the goal of this year should be to make the most of Kyle Lowry's final season potentially with the team and give him one last earnest shot at making a run. And if they can pull something off around that February twenty third to March 1st window where they'll be able to move those players, I, I think You know, to do that, they're going to have to be in a reasonable place record-wise. If they get to the 32-game mark and they're, you know... 12 and 20, then maybe you can't justify it. But if you're closer to, you know, 15, 17, 16, and 16, then I think it's a, a far more reasonable thing to say, all right, let's mortgage a little bit to go all in for this season. In a weird season that maybe you take advantage of the bizarro world we're in and go on a surprisingly deep run like the Heat did last year. But uh, that's for another day. We don't need to uh, b- b- like use all the bullets of trade stuff this early on in the season. We'll save it for later. Abdul, thanks so much for coming to the podcast, man. Where where can people check out your wonderful work?
1: Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at socialist Raptor. Um, I write a lot about sports and the politics of sports um, and, you know, sort of the, yeah, the narratives and economics and the, the really messed up world of like, you know, how sports like exploits players, even though I love sports. Um, and I have a podcast that launches on for the public on Wednesday, uh January 13th, actually tomorrow. Crazy. Um, Hell yeah. I didn't even
0: intend that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, neither did I actually. I completely (laughs) forgot it was launching tomorrow. Um, Yeah. Called the off court podcast at off court pod on Twitter. It's a podcast about the uh, niche stories and history and politics of sports. Um, And it's for people who, you know, love sports and also people who are more interested in like the stories rather than the games. Um, Uh, Yeah, like it's our first episode, for example, it's not all basketball, but like our first episode is about like dunking and how like dunking is a has been turned from this like form of black expression in a very racist world to like a a commodity to be bought and sold or like um, our second episode is about like, why not just why are black people disappearing from baseball, but also like this, if, if black people are being forced out of the game, that means that other people are being exploited um, in lieu mm-hmm. of them. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like a, a great trip through a well, great, like a very interesting trip through like the Latin American farm system and how that like chews up players to like the use of statistics and justifying um, racism in sports and stuff like that. Like just some really to like people like Carlos Delgado, like some really cool stuff. And like, we have a ton 10 episodes this season then four months. We'll have another 10 episodes, but we're super excited for people to hear it. And yeah, if you're interested in listening to it, it's uh, at Offcourt pod on Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple podcasts now, actually. Uh, and definitely by the time this episode is out. Um, Amazing. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much, man. Everyone go check that podcast out. If you are a person who uh, like both of us love your sports, but are, Cognizant of the, uh, you know, the not so savory elements of it, I think that's uh, that's an amazing idea for a podcast i can't wait to check it out everyone should go and listen to the off-court pod as well um that's gonna do it for today's show thank you so much for tuning in subscribe to rate review this podcast wherever you get your shows it's much appreciated i'll be back again on thursday again hopefully get a lineup Dwayne notice but we'll see uh working on the scheduling bit there and then of course friday we will break down the thursday night game against the charlotte hornets until then though thank you so much we'll talk to you again thursday with another episode of locked on raptors